back every Sunday and everybody out there. Jay Binkley with Great Nichols Producing. Burton come up at 10.30. Brad Keller on the mound uh, for the Royals trying to get their first run of the year versus Joe Ryan of the Minnesota Twins. And Joe's 4-0 in his young career against the Kansas City Royals. So, and there's no win. There's no significant wins for the Royals today. And Ron Kopp, lead analyst, airheadpride.com. Uh, Ron, you guys got a lot of fun stuff going on over there at Airhead Pride as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we got the AP Draft Room podcast every Friday. We do the AP Film Room on the YouTube channel. Make sure you check that out. We look at six prospects at each position uh, each week. We did the safeties recently. We've done tight ends. We've been saving the defensive line for kind of closer to the draft. That's kind of my favorite class uh, group of, of positions. But, uh, but yeah, so check that out on the YouTube show. And, uh, yeah, we just got plenty of every top 30 visit we got a breakdown of. I just submitted the, the, Was- the Western Kentucky cornerback this morning. Um, and we're doing draft darlings now. So just any of our favorite prospects uh, that, that we like in this draft, all of our writers are going to be writing up a draft profile on him, why he fits with the Chiefs, why it makes sense for them to go after him. We're going to try to hit on as many of these potential Chiefs targets as possible, see if we can just get all of them, uh, you know, every Chiefs pick, you know, accounted for before the draft. How do you like the tight end class? Because this is, the way I look at it, this is best in at least a decade. I like the tight end class in, in those middle rounds for sure. A guy like Lou Schoonmaker, someone from Michigan that I, I am a big fan of, you know, coming in and, and being someone that comes in right away and plays your second tight end can block well at the point of attack. He played in the Big Ten, you know, obviously, you know, being that, that lead why for them. But also I think he could be that, that eventual, you know, lead tight end for you as a receiver. I think he is a pretty good playmaker Should overall. Should they start looking for that? I know Kelsey's going to be 34 this year. Eventually – you do hit that wall. I think that's where that, that's where I'm getting at is I, I think you can say like, hey, let's let's just try to find the blocking guy because Kelsey is the receiver. And or you could say, oh, let's just try to find Kelsey's replacement. Try to find the guy that's can be both the guy that can come in right away, be that tight end to, uh, you know, and block for you and also develop. I, I think he fits that. But if you are just looking for that receiving type of guy like Will Mallory from Miami is, is a very athletic, a, a good receiver. Obviously, Luke Musgrave, Dalton Kincaid at the top. Sam Laporte of the Iowa tight end is someone I think. Um, you know, would, would be a fun kind of guy that could develop. Maybe he needs to maybe get stronger, get, you know, a little uh, stronger at the point of attack as a blocker. But he was an Iowa guy in the Big Ten. I think he's going to be nasty enough to kind of develop into that. We've seen these Iowa tight ends become really good. So but I like him maybe in the mid-rounds. Caitlin Clark actually right. scored the Iowa Hawkeyes football <laughs> team this year. I mean, I'm not kidding. And, but I like oh, Tucker Kraft, San Diego or uh, South Dakota State tight end. Yeah. And he needs some development, just, in my opinion. He's but, the yeah. same size as Dallas Goddard. Dallas got her with the second round. They're both six five. There's only two pounds difference between them both. Um, Tucker Crafts a guy, and I've seen him mocked a lot in the second, third round. I had him go into the Chiefs in the second because I, I just like his potential. He's big, he's physical, yeah. great blocker, and he's got the, and, he, and he's very tough after the catch, which yeah. I think the Chiefs really want to yards at the catch guy. Yeah, I think that's where I. He is almost like he is really good after the catch, but it's almost like not clean. Like he's just kind of like, you know, rumbling and stumbling and, and people are falling off him because he's so big and, and huge. And that's where Dallas Gardner, I think, was a little bit cleaner of a mover coming out of South Dakota State. I, I, I liked him as a tight end, but you could definitely see the development for Tucker Craft and, and especially the other guy from Old Dominion, Zach Coons, I think is in that same kind of ballpark. I think they're kind of similar players where you see the flashes. You're really excited about them as raw athletes, raw, you know, prospects they were born to be tight ends at their size right their physical profiles like what other position are they going to play you know they're they're these tight ends they're they're not you know they're too skinny to be defensive ends they're they're too big to be receivers but yeah i, I think both of them are, are development picks but if, if you do get them and, and you and in a couple of years all of a sudden they're they're really good players i, I wouldn't be too surprised she's have 10 picks this year right here in kansas city april 27th through the 29th um they've got the round one pick 31 
in round two, pick 63, you're at the end of it. Round three, pick 95. Round four, pick 122 and 134. So there's some wiggle room for the Chiefs in the fourth round. Fifth round, they have one pick, 166, one pick, or two picks in the sixth, 178 and 217. Two picks in the seventh, back-to-back, 249 and 250. So they do have some wiggle room with some of those rounds. What round do you see right now feasibly the Chiefs trading up in? I think it's the first round. I really do. I think if they want to get an impact player, which I was kind of saying earlier, you know, they, they've gotten these two classes back to back with a lot of impact players in a, in a quantity sort of sense. They've they've thrown a lot of darts at the board and they've nailed a lot of those dart throws. But now you don't have you have only so much room on your roster, you know, right? You can't just keep going these quantity picks, quantity picks. Let's go for quality. And I think in this class where you don't have a ton of great top of tier prospects anyway, just target your guy on day one that you like that can come in and start for you right away at a certain position. I think offensive tackle makes the most sense to me and, and go get him. So I do think first runs first round is the most likely option of all the rounds. So if you go tackle, are you going up for a Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern, but he's probably going to be an interior lineman. I don't, I don't think you can go up that high either. Broderick Jones, probably I like a top him. 12 pick. It, who are you, who do you see as a guy that could come in or, are you okay with maybe like an Anton Harrison in the low twenties or maybe at 31 or a Darnell Wright, a, a right tackle, or do you, are you hell bent on winning a guy that played left tackle? I, I Anton Harrison's like my favorite prospect at offensive tackle. I, I think he's not my highest ranked. I, I do think Broderick Jones and Peter Skronsky are just going to be such solid players in the, in the NFL. I, I see how they're going to be high floor guys. And so I have him ranked, but Paris Johnson is below that for me below Anton Harrison for me. Darner Wright's below Anton Harrison for me. So if, if it's Anton Harrison, that's my ideal move. But yeah, trade up for Broderick Jones too. I think he's someone that could be really good as well. But yeah, I think those are the kind of that, th- those two guys. I just, I just think those are, that's the position you trade up for too. I mean, you could trade up for edge rusher, you know, depending on, you know, if it is Nolan Smith, maybe that's fallen certain down. I don't know if they're going to trade up for a physical outlier, um, at, at, you know, in the defense, like, he like he is three nine, which is incredible. For right. Him. But he's with 238 pounds. Right. It's not like he's like 280. I'm so confident he's going to be a solid player though. But you know, at, I wouldn't even mind moving up for Jackson Smith and Jigba though. I think it's the one receiver you, you, you say, you know, you say, Hey, look, if we're, if we really want a wide receiver one, let's go up and get so him. Where are you going though? You have to go, you have to go you have at to least go. top 10 for Jackson. Exactly. Man. Exactly. I'm and saying, I'm saying if he falls, shaky. I'm saying if he falls to okay. a, a 15 to a, a you know, in, in, the, in the late teens. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I didn't even consider McDuffie as a prospect as a pick last year because he was so consistently uh, drafted in top 10, top 15. Same thing kind of with Jackson Smith and Jigba. There are some things with his, you know, with his measurables, with his numbers, with maybe, you know, there could be some things that the NFL overlooks about him, kind of, you know, overthinks a little bit, especially because there are so many mid-round receivers that you can take in this class. Maybe they say, hey, look, we don't need to take the swing at that, that first round wide receiver. Yeah, I think if Jackson Smith and Jigba gets into those late teens, that 20 pick, he is definitely worth going up and getting because I think he can definitely replace what you miss in Juju Smith-Schuster plus more. I think he could develop into much more. Former G Southland Toe Service text line, Ronnie Bell, great wide receiver position. Yeah, there you go. Park Hill High School, right? Absolutely. Kansas City and his, his brother's going to Michigan as well. This is when Jim Harbaugh came and stole uh, Simone Award winner. Yeah. Ronnie Bell and his brother uh, right here in the Kansas City area. Um, they talk about the tight end room being fine at this point. They're okay with the way the tight end. And they just resigned Blake Bell with, with Kelsey Blake Bell, who's back, which I think could be the fourth and one guy, um, Jody Fortson and Noah Gray. Are you happy with that? Or is it time to say, okay, we need to start looking. Cause do you honestly see any of these guys being Kelsey? I mean, there's nobody's going to be Kelsey. We know he's an outlier. There's nobody right. that's going to be him, but one of those guys, you have the confidence to say that's tight end one. Cause the chiefs love, tight end one. 
Well, no, I, I don't think so. I, I think it's a fine group, but I think it doesn't prevent you from addressing the position in this class at all. I, I you know, I, I don't want to see it in the first round. I, I think that'd be kind of a, you know, maybe too high of a pick for it. But, you know, if the right guy's there in the second round and you really think he's going to be that much of an upgrade over Noah Gray, especially, again, when we talk about this team used more multi-tight end sets, we're using 12, 13 personnel more than any NFL team over, you know, last year. And it was one of the main reasons why they won the Super Bowl was because they kind of made that switch up and kind of forced defenses into those heavier personnel packages and, and took advantage of them with Noah Gray, Jody Fortson. If you can find that guy, it's going to be that much of an upgrade over Noah, Noah Gray, which can't be that hard because Noah Gray is a fine player, but I do think in this tight end class, there's going to be some really exciting prospects. So, he's good to have as a tight end too. Right. But with the, with the fact that he used three, four tight ends at times, he could move down in that depth chart into three or four. If you want to address it and make, you know, the tight end class or the tight end group even better by dressing in the sure. draft, cutting Blake bell in the summer. And then you have those four tight ends to work. What with. are you doing on uh, fourth and short? The chiefs were uh, the worst <laughs> team in the NFL at third and ones for as, as good as Pacheco's been. That's been a bugaboo with the chiefs. Getting that one yard, that third and one, that you third know. one. And, and the Eagles showcased, you know, you can, since 2006, you can push the quarterback and they, it's very successful play. You know, the Chiefs aren't going to do it because they're not going to get and push Patrick Mahomes. But yeah. they could do it to Blake Bell or you could draft a running quarterback like a Stetson Bennett. We'll get back to that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, you want to know what I'll, I'll say about it is. Creed and Trey better be eating quite a bit and, and, and lifting in the weight room this offseason because they're great offensive, uh, great offensive linemen, great players in the NFL already. But I do think that is one area of the game that you're seeing that maybe their youth, their, their, their lack of experience in the league is showing a little bit. I just think they were college players that had some beef to them, but maybe not as beefy as some of the men they're dealing with in the trenches in the NFL. And I think that's where maybe their short yardage runs up the middle just aren't working as well. Joe Tooney's not the biggest power, most powerful guy. So I think that I think that'll just improve on on Creed and Trey maybe eating a little more barbecue, um, you know, in the weight room a little longer, getting that man strength as as they get older as players, because they are young players as good as they are as players out in space, you know, just 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 handling themselves. I think coming right off the ball, I think you, you got to have a little more, you know, man strength to you, a little more, uh, you know, old man kind of kind of kind of strength to you sometimes. So you know, right, here's a question for you. All right, so I've always felt that Andy Reid's got just two positions he wants somebody that's been in the NFL. Left tackle is one of them. The other one is backup quarterback because right now it's Shane Bouchelle, you know, poised to be that. But right. there's all those rumors about the Chiefs looking for an Andy Dalton type, those type of guys, which is not going to enamor you, but she's already signed. So, but, and, and the list is a lot thinner, guys that played in the league. But remember Foles, the day the Rams got rid of him, boom, he's the Chief right away. I mean, the Chase Daniel, because and even though Chad Henney, not a real successful NFL, well, it wasn't a successful NFL career, but he had, he had experience. He'd been in big games and the Chiefs needed a 98-yard drive. Not, not a lot. They needed that 98-yard drive against the Jags from him, and he delivered. Now, do you go into a season, and a backup quarterback's got to come in for a series? Because Andy Reid's a big trust guy, and he trusted him to get the job done, and he's done it twice now, and he's gotten the job done. I see more and more of these guys not available anymore. There are a few out there, the veteran quarterbacks, mm -hmm. but if I was going to draft anybody, and I would take a rookie that could do this because eventually it's like Ryan Mallett or Matt Castle with the Patriots. Even though they had Tom Brady, they still threw darts at quarterbacks and used them as stock commodities. Stetson Bennett, <laughs> laugh all you want because it is personal. I'm not laughing. No, you're not, but everybody else does. <laughs> Mel Kuyper says fourth to sixth round, probably looking about the fifth or sixth round for Stetson. But here's the one thing about him, and I don't care about his age because that doesn't matter at this point. No, not for All QB2. I know is SEC title game MVP. Back-to-back, -back, one of four quarterbacks ever to win back-to-back -back national championships in college. Back-to-back -back championship game MVP. 
Yeah, well, what about Georgia? Well, their offense was ranked higher than their defense this year. He was sixth in the nation in passing yards. And he had 10 rushing touchdowns. He's got the speed. He's elusive. Doesn't really have the size that you can say, okay, third and one. But if you're pushing him from behind, maybe so. But it's really the only rookie I feel you can draft yeah. that has that ice water in the veins. No situation is too big because he's played in back-to-back national title games. That is the only quarterback I say, okay, I think you could trust this guy in big moments because he's not a veteran, so you're going to lose that. No, I'd agree with you, honestly. And, and one of the main reasons is because of the offense he ran with Georgia. It's a more of a pro-style NFL offense. I mean, the things they were doing were the, the ways the NFL is running offense. Now, understand a lot of outside zone, a lot of jet sweep action, you know, a lot of boot out, a lot of, a lot of play action off of that. It, it's what the NFL is doing right now. It's not Max Duggan. It's not Hendon Hooker in college just throwing the wide open receiver streaking down the sideline, you know, just going vertical 20 times a game and, and hoping one of them hits. That, that that's a lot of college offenses. That's not what Setson Bennett doing. He was running an NFL offense. And so I think you can absolutely make that argument. I think their offensive coordinator was Todd Monk and he's all of a sudden in the NFL again. He was in the NFL before that. I think you can absolutely make the case that Setson Bennett is just as good an option as some of these Teddy Bridgewaters, uh, you know, Carson Wentz. I mean, just in terms of being a QB too, I mean, Blaine Gabbert's out there, bring him home. Why not just grab Stetson Bennett, you know, as a draft pick? You know, maybe I don't know how high he's going to go. He's had kind of the, a weird offseason in terms of, you know, uh, kind of yeah. maybe, you know, missing the senior bowl and, and doing some other things. But he's the only game with the moxie, though. It's been okay. He's been in big games. Right. And he's been the MVP of big games. He's shined in big games, which is someone that can be groomed. But not only that, eventually you got to think, okay, who are we going to have as a back that we trust? Because you got to trust somebody because guess what? It happens very rarely, but they're called upon to help the Chiefs win a game. Well, the like Chiefs know that, yeah. I mean, Chiefs fans should know that of any NFL fan base, how important backup quarterbacks are. I mean, Chad Henney has saved the you know a playoff run a couple times now. So so you get in a situation like that. Again, they can also be stock commodities. He gets to that point where you're paying him or not, and you flip him for a second or third round pick, which very easily could happen. But it's an investment to the future. And you look at some of these veteran quarters. All right, you're not going to bring in Andy Dalton. He signed Carson Wentz. Uh, Chase Daniel done a lot of NFL Network stuff. Yeah, you go that done. direction. You go with the guy that's played in the NFL because I do think Andy Reid covets NFL playing experience. I'm just looking, okay, what quarterback can the Chiefs snag in the later rounds that's I, got I'm, big time I'm with potential. you, man. It's I'm with him. you. I'm with you because Shane Bouchel, I mean, he has shown nothing to, to be, you know, oh, yeah, he he's can developed, be a I mean, he's developed stuff, but, but he hasn't he had to play the in Stetson a... Bennett. Right. He hasn't had to play Can't in a regular share. season NFL game, neither has Sesson Bennett. But what Sesson Bennett has had to do, as you just mentioned, is play in these NCAA title games, SEC title games. Those are basically, you know, big NFL games. And you're so. one of four guys ever to win back-to-back in college football. That's pretty big stuff. And he finished fourth in the Heisman. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I, I'm with you, man. If there's going to be a QB, two, it's not going to be Chad Henney, not Matt Moore. Hey, I'd, I'd maybe give Matt Moore a call, see what he's doing. You know, it's only been a few years since he since he left. So, uh, I'm just saying, Andy Reid, I mean, he covets that, and I understand why. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You want somebody you can trust to facilitate the game plan, throwing them in there. Every, I mean, it's Chief... important, man. Just say it's not important, whatever, you know, because a lot of people are still riding the Kelsey thing, which is great because he hadn't fallen off. But eventually, you know, he's 34. He's got the two rings. I mean, they don't last forever, man. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And, and that's the thing is there, there's only so many holes on this roster. Honestly, they filled a lot of the holes on, on the team. But one of the holes, one of the main holes when the actual legitimate things they need to fill before the 2023 season starts is QB two. So I, you know, I, I think it absolutely has to be something on their mind as they enter this draft. Check it, Ron Cop. One more question for you, Ron. All right. Opening game for the Chiefs. The schedule didn't come out until May, but we do know the Eagles are playing at Arrowhead. We do know the Bills are playing at Arrowhead. We knew the Bengals. 
Thursday night, who's opening the season in the National Football League? You go in Philly and have the Super Bowl rematch. Don't think the teams really like each other except for the Kelsey brothers. Um, or the Bills, which, I mean, the cachet of that game has kind of gone by the wayside. The Bengals are the hated rival. You have Kelsey saying it hurts his soul that Orlando Brown went to the Bengals. You know they obviously what? hate the uh, jabroni mayor. I'm going Bengals in game. You one. know what? Yeah, honestly, now before the Orlando Brown signing happened, it was like, why wouldn't it be Eagles? Why wouldn't it be Eagles? But honestly, you're right. With the Orlando Brown signing, that would be the heck of I mean, a week one matchup. His up on first own. start with the Bengals. Because you know he's probably not going to play pre. Well, he probably will play a little preseason. Anyway, his first start with the Bengals will be against Kansas City and Arrow. That would be electric. Because you know the crowd would be getting after him, making sure he cannot hear uh, Joe Burrow at all or making sure, you know, the ball's not, yeah, you know, he's not going to be able to, to get off the snap. That'll be a good time. I think get the Bengals, get him early. Because yeah. last year they struggled oh, yeah. early. They became that would good. just be fun, man. I thought I mean, they were completely underrated. No, I, 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 I do think real quick. I do think, you know, the, the Eagles Chiefs kind of rivalry is more like, you know, lighthearted kind of brotherly love kind of thing. And I do think the Chiefs Bengals is more. All right. Like, let's you know, we they actually legitimately hate each other. So let's go Chiefs Bengals. First off, that's that's the NFL matchup. Everyone wants to see every team. Uh, the five is the max. But now you can be flexed to two. We still know about Thursday night football in May. They're going to decide on flexing Thursday nights. I know the players aren't real wild about yeah, that. No. Um, as a fan, I love Thursday night games, but don't want to get my players hurt either. Right. No. Yeah. The and the players are clearly, you know, not, not cool with it. I mean, you, you can always tell when all of a sudden they start tweeting like one-on-one -on -one the same like hour or so they all tweet out the same thing. Pretty much. You can tell they all kind of wanted to make a coordinated effort to say, screw that. Let's just so. put it this way. The Chiefs are going to be playing a lot of night. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. And, and they're used to it by now. They're, yeah, no, I, they're, they're used to it by now. No, no problem with them. I, I think uh, I think they're cool with it. But I do get the point where it's like, hey, if you have this schedule, then then all of a sudden a week before you're changing it, all these play, these guys that these fans that, you know, uh, you know, change their work schedules and stuff to make the game and stuff. That's pretty messed up. Yeah, so. because you get airline tickets and hotels right. and things exactly. like that. Exactly. It's a Thursday night, too. And Chiefs fans playing ahead. Right. Yeah, that's true. We do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. As soon as the schedule comes out. Yeah. Road trips, uh, I still think Vegas is the best one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I haven't been yet, but we got to. You got to go out there. You yeah, got to go there and see uh, Jimmy G, <laughs> who has the large, he, what, 17 points is the average he loses to the Chiefs. <laughs> no, I, wow, that's a, that's a good stat. Well, he won't see Jalen Carter on the, the Raiders, apparently, because they took him off the draft board. So, and we'll see what happens. Smart, move, I, smart I, move there. No, Not, Ron Cobb, I'm sarcasm, by lead, the way. Lead analyst, DearwoodPride.com. Anything <laughs> coming up this week, Ron? Anything you're working on? Right oh, now, man. Robert? Just plenty of draft darlings. I'll probably be writing up some of my favorite prospects um, and, and and just, you know, more podcast. You know, check out the podcast network. You know, Veach Season by Price Carter and Rocky Magana's out every Monday. And, and just keep checking out the website. Well, Rob, we had to do an hour because when I talk to you for 15 minutes, it just doesn't fly. No, sir. No, I appreciate it, Jay. No, this is Fastest really fun. Uh, hour in radio. I'm, I'm just can't wait for this draft, man. It's 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 coming. One more quick statement. I would do want to talk about the quarterback situation again. I'll get more detail on that. Then we have Vern coming up at 1030. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Welcome back. Jay Binkley, Grant Nicholson. Thanks to Ron Cop, lead analyst, AeroheadPride.com. Love talking draft with him. Love talking baseball with the best in the business. Josh Vernier coming up. At 10.30, Brad Keller on the mound for the Royals. Blue Jays, Whit Merrifield, coming to town tomorrow. That'll be uh, kind of fun. The, uh, a lot of people think in World Series for the Blue Jays this year. Grant, uh, we'll get into more of this quarterback stuff uh, later, but do you feel that the draft, do you feel it? Do you feel the energy from Kansas City in the draft? I think Kansas City, because of it being here, 
takes it like two or three notches higher. People are so excited about the draft in Kansas City, and I'm glad. When you you guys have got a bunch of stuff going on, obviously, with character concerns and all this sort of... It's definitely exciting. It's going to be at Union Station. Everyone's excited for it. A lot of stuff going on. I'm excited. Is Union Station becoming our arch? Because it is showing up like in all the parades. There's the World War One Museum. There's the uh, Union Station. It's becoming a real pillar. When you do Kansas City Skyline, you have to put Union Station in the World War One Memorial because that is becoming our arch. It's becoming, when you think of Kansas City, you're thinking of that because it's been in the national spotlight. Well, we've had, what, three championship parades end at Union Station in the last seven years or whatever? It's one thing we do in Kansas City is we have parades. Because we win. Now the NFL draft is going to be there. Red carpet. There was something else that was at Union Station recently, wasn't there? Hey. Maybe not. Maybe not. Spider Man exhibit, I think. I, I don't know about that, but people <laughs> went down there and got pictures, right? Yeah. They got pictures from the KC and everything else. What, 354,000? It's the largest footprint of any draft in the NFL. I'm so glad we have it here in Kansas City. I'm so glad they decided to move that thing around. I know that they put it in places they'll have the Super Bowl, like Vegas, that it was just in. But I would have the draft in places that we'll never see a Super Bowl. I would have this thing in Kansas City. I'd have this thing in Green Bay. I'd have it in Cincinnati. I'd have it in Cleveland, which it has been. But I would have it in, in cold-weather cities. What you've got to do, though, is to have some place to have it inside. Green Bay, Kansas City, you can't guarantee that there's going to be good weather in mid to late April no, every Graham, single but year. Football is played outside. Draft yeah, outside. Fo- football's but played outside, but these stage. are not, they're, they're not playing a football game. They've got a stage, Grant. They've got cover. Yeah, I mean, I mean you're watching it, you're going to get a little wet. They've got, a co- they've got cover, sure, but it's still going to be like 40 degrees. You're going to see people shaking Roger Goodell's hands in like winter coats some years. Just none of that wind. We had less couple days or twisters and we good. Yeah. People are going to love the airport, aren't they? The yeah, airport's they, great. Have you been to the airport yet? I haven't. Do you know people are like parking their car and like going in just to gawk at it? Hopefully that stuff, that crap stops. Well, I went because I had a flight to go on. Well, but you had some reason to be there. You just weren't going. People are going to dinner there, That's dude. what I'm saying, though. That seems like a waste. They went to the airport. Where'd you go? Where'd you fly to? Uh, we went to Houston a couple weekends back. And you loved the airport? Airport was great. Super easy to get in and out. Like, talking well, like half an hour. Easy. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's what I did here. And again, once the people uh, are done, just checking it out and understanding that... Uh, they can go to all these places in Kansas City because they exist other places. You don't have to take dinner reservations to go up to the airport on a Friday night. You're taking a hot day to the, <laughs> to hey, the airport lounge. Go? Let's go to the airport, man. Let's go to the airport. Josh Vernier, our Royals Insider, next. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Happy Sunday out there, Jay Bankley, Grant Nicholson, uh, the K-State Wildcat, producing the operation. Dustman, here with you next week. But it is time to talk to the guy that you trust with your baseball information. He's been in the good times, he's been in the bad times. And he will be in the good time once again. His name is Josh Vernier. What's up, Vern? What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Not much. Our Royals insider, Josh Vernier. Who I brought on, it's Brad Keller and Joe Ryan today for the Royals, but I brought Vern on to talk draft. Um, what was I was it? at the Nashville draft, and it was pouring rain. So that's already happened. I heard you guys' discussion earlier. Yeah, and there's going to be, there's gonna be like, a, who cares if you're in the crowd and get wet? I mean, that's all part of the experience, man. Just put your cell phone in your pocket and just have fun, drink the beer, and watch the NFL draft. But the draft's I was talking be with uh, Pete Gradoff of the Kansas City Star, and he 
basically wanted me to pass along a congratulations to you for Kansas City getting the draft. I, I mean, I, I personally, I remember uh, you bringing it up and uh, me laughing at you uh, back when they first started putting the draft outside of uh, New York City when they started moving it around the country. You brought up the idea of it coming to Kansas City, and I think it was widely uh, scoffed at. Why, why would the NFL come to Kansas City? And here we are. Uh, they come into KC. You know, it's. Uh, I remember bringing Kathy Nelson on when she was doing the visits to Chicago, seeing what all it took. She had to put a proposal out there with an airport uh, like we had. It's one hand tied behind her back as far as her arsenal mm-hmm. on why you could come here. But the promise of the airport being done, obviously, big for the draft and the World Cup, and you name it, but she still did it. But, Vern, think about uh, when you and I first started mm-hmm. um, over a decade ago uh, here at 610, and – it was people teams in this town didn't win, man. Right. Like they didn't. Right. And you know, you covered a miserable football team in 2012. We saw the Royals go through a lot of losses. Then all of a sudden here came the wins, but man, has it changed since you first uh, got here? No, I mean, from, from the, you know, the city itself, uh, the teams, but also the mindset. And I think that's been on display over the past few seasons here at Kauffman stadium, right? When, when you and I started, Kansas City, in my opinion, had uh, uh, low self-esteem, low expectations, an inferiority complex uh, at times. But because of what Dayton Moore and Ned Yost and HGH and Haas and Moose were able to do in 14 and 15, and then, of course, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey, not to mention some champions over there with Uh, sporting KC now Kansas City understands uh, not only can we win uh, but we demand uh, to win we we hold our teams to a much higher standard here in Kansas City than we did a decade ago Uh, I enjoy it Um, I'm I'm glad it's that way although I I, at times I feel especially with the the baseball team we're unwilling to give them uh, any sort of grace as they uh, uh, continue to try and climb out the doldrums as they've uh, found themselves in over the past few seasons. And they will. I mean, you look at the you know things you saw. Okay, what's going on with the Royals? The you know the young prospects in 2011, 2012. All of a sudden, 2013. I mean, these guys won in the Texas League down in Northwest Arkansas. They won the Pacific Coast League up in Omaha. Then all of a sudden, they get to Kansas City. This group of young players of the Royals have all won at different levels. Uh, MJ Melendez the whole way from rookie bowl on. Um, he's found himself to be associated with the winner uh, with the Royals. I'm excited about this brand of baseball. I was talking to some people last night at the brewery of all places, Vern. Shocker. Um, yeah, I was on a call sign. I was talking to him. I said, hey, here's the deal. I- I'm not proud of admitting this, but a lot of people admitted this. I remember 2015. I said, you know what? I'll take 10 years of mediocrity. Just give me the championship. You did say that. Because banners fly forever, man. That's right. But you know what? We're getting close to 2025. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we are. You know that decade's almost up. We're getting close to it, but yeah. I said it, so I got to. I got to still stand by it. <laughs> but I love the direction they're going. It's still, you know, seeing these young guys. And we talked last year at nauseum, you know, about some of the guys, and you maybe they weren't being able to be as vocal. And I remember having Matheny on one day when I was in with Bob, and he came on. And I asked him about leadership. He said, "Yeah, I wish guys would, you know, speak more, stand up, and say things." And now they can. Now there's a bunch of young cores. And Moose, as much as we look at Moose and think, all right, this guy was a leader with his team, it really took him to be hitting well 
to feel like he wanted to share his voice. The only guy I've seen that hasn't really produced that his voice was really heard by his team was Jason Hayward with the Cubs in that rain delay against the uh, against Cleveland when he went in there and gave a speech because usually unless you're hitting certain 300, veterans can as well right Raul Labanez did for that team Johnny Gomes to a certain extent you could have those veteran rah rah guys like a Jason Hayward uh, but I think you bring up a great point as far as uh, you know that it goes back to a a legendary Jim Leland quote of you guys in the media are always going on and on and on about leadership and camaraderie and clubhouse cohesion. Uh, you want to know who a leader is? Miguel Cabrera, because he goes out there and hits 35 home runs and drives at 100. That's your leader. A guy that in the bottom of the ninth inning is able to slow his heart rate and get the job done. Those are the leaders. It's, it, it's a tremendous point, especially when you look inside this Royals clubhouse at the guys that are going to be the leaders over the course of the season. A guy like Vinny Pasquantino and Michael Massey and MJ Melendez, guys that are, uh, well, I certainly wouldn't say struggling. We're two games into the season, but they are all three uh, going through something that they never have before, right? They were on a uh, a high last season, making their big league debuts. Everybody in the city loved them all the way until game 162. Well, since the end of last season, the expectations have grown for Pasquantino, Melendez, and Massey. When, when they towed that first base foul line on opening day, that was their first ever uh, instance of being at in opening day, whether it's as a fan or as a player, so you could understand being a little tight, uh, wanting to single-handedly lead your team to victory, not only because it's a big moment in a packed house, but also you've heard for the past four or five months people like you and I uh, building up Vinny. I, I, I've said I think the guy can hit 300. Uh, I, I think MJ Melendez can hit 25-plus home runs. I, I think Michael Massey is an everyday second baseman. They know those expectations are there. And I think a few of the odd plays that you've seen over the first two games, whether it's Melendez booting a ball in shallow right, it's Bobby Witt Jr. trying to get Byron Buxton out at third base, little instances like that showcase to me young guys that are gripping it a little bit too tight, trying to do a little bit too much, uh, but it all comes from a good place. I would think those issues will be eradicated hopefully in the next few hours. Um, but certainly by the end of this homestand, I think some of those nerves will get uh, shook out by these players. I think they got some home run guys. In this I think, I think yeah. MJ's a 30-plus home run guy, and I think Bobby Witt. It just might be tough maybe, for him think. juggling catching as well. It might be at this point, but I think he's so fun to watch. I mean, yeah, a lot of these is. guys are so fun to go to the ballpark and watch. It's still a lot of fun to go out there and watch them. They haven't scored any runs. We'll get to that in just a second. But yeah. are you buying in the chemistry? Because I know we talk about it, and sometimes it's poo-pooed, but you remember in 14 and 15, we saw it, man. We mm -hmm. saw how much fun these guys had just being around each other in the clubhouse, and yeah, it translated. Like, Ned Yost let them be who they wanted to be, and he took all the bullets um, okay, well, I said Escobar, even though he may have not done it, but he, he took everything that the media was going to say. Ned Yost took it upon his shoulders and got criticized for it often, but he was just doing his job. He was a great manager of what he did. I see the same thing with the Chiefs. Like, these guys play video games together and have fun. Patrick Mahomes had Camp Pat down in Texas where they played video games and hung mm -hmm. out together. Man, I think there's something to that, man. I think it's something to there's liking no who you're around. And the Royals that I see right now remind me a lot of the guys that we saw like Hollister and Moose and Duffy and those guys coming up. Well, there's certainly, yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm big into body language. I'm big into uh, enjoying the people that you work with and that ultimately translating out onto the field. Um, but it begins with talent. 
I, I go back to what Ned Yost uh, told me a, a few weeks ago out in spring training when I was asking this very similar question about clubhouse cohesion. And he says, uh, you know, uh, yeah, 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 that's important, but it begins with talent. You guys can all love each other all you want. If you're not talented, you're going to lose games. And if you lose games, you're going to begin to get down on one another. The, the, the reason why uh, th- that, that, that clubhouse in 2015 was so tight was because when Eric Hosmer makes an error in game one of the World Series, he had enough confidence that someone else would pick him up, and Alex Gordon ultimately did with that home run in the bottom of the ninth inning. When, you know, the, the, this, the, the Chiefs analogy that you make, you know, the— you know, Travis Kelsey doesn't need to um, press or, or get tight when he drops a, a, a first-half pass from Patrick Mahomes because he knows that, uh, you know, McCole Hardman or Juju Smith-Schuster or Patrick Mahomes himself is ultimately going to pick him up. When you're surrounded by talent, it, it puts you at a certain amount of ease because you know I don't need to do it all. The issue right now for this Royals team, uh, and, and I think part of the reason why you're seeing Vinny um, MJ or Massey or Bobby or whichever one of those young studs that you're seeing maybe play a little tight or have moments in the first two games where they look like they're pressing somewhat is because they're not sure who else in the lineup outside of Salvador Perez can pick them up, you know, e- even one another. You know, Bobby wants to do it himself. He, he believes that MJ uh, can pick him up. He believes that Massey and Vinny can pick him up, but until they do it on a consistent basis – they're not sure. It, it just goes along the lines of the steps that every big league player and the steps that every very good big league ball club take. You go back to that Hosmer Moose team. When we went to spring training in 2012, that team thought uh, that they you know, had some talent. They weren't really sure. Uh, you, you, you go out there in 2012 and you you play well, but it's but it's it's up and down. 2013, okay, we, we know we belong in the big leagues, but are we a uh, good team? Do we have talent? And over the course of that 2013 season, yeah, okay, we 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 do have talent, and and we are a good team. But but can we win big games? They did that in 2014, proved that to themselves that not only are we good, not only are we talented, but we can win big games and big moments. And then in 2015, they knew they could do everything and were just out for blood. Right now, this team, this young Royals core to me, uh, they know they're big leaguers. Uh, They just don't know how many others they're surrounded by and how much they can put the fate of the team and the guy behind them. We always talked about keeping the line moving or passing the baton back in those glory days. This team needs to learn that. Well, the Royals, as, as we know, they haven't scored a, a run so far this year, and I say big deal because if this happens in mid-July, you don't care because yeah. it just happens to have at the beginning of the year, which is fine. You can turn happened things three times last year, yeah, in it, June, it, July, yeah. and August. It could happen anytime. It's just things are magnified at the beginning of the year. I'm, I don't pay stock to it. I do think it's fun that Toronto uh, comes in, um, high-flying Toronto that's projected, what, 92 win total this year. But still the Twins, the incomparable Joe Ryan on the mound for the Twins – 4-0 in his uh, young career with the Twins, even though he's been around for a minute. Eh, guy's got the Royals number. Yeah, so did Keller. the guy yesterday in Sonny Gray, who also had a sub-2 ERA in his career across 10 starts against the Royals. Look, this Is division that a legit of- team, the Twins? Say it again, I'm sorry? You like the Twins in this division or the White Sox? Yeah, I think I'd lean Chicago, um, but it comes down to pitching. This division normally comes down to pitching. Uh, Cleveland's got a dynamic one, two, three. 
Uh, you know, but Chicago has Dylan Cease, Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito. Uh, and then Minnesota, you're seeing there one, two, three. Pablo Lopez is the type of uh, – that, that, that's a what, – what the Twins did with Pablo Lopez is basically acquire their James Shields. So they got him to go along with Sonny Gray and now today Joe Ryan, who burst onto the scene a season ago. So, yeah, but Minnesota, Cleveland, and Chicago, each one of them have a uh, – in imposing one, two, three in that rotation, uh, Cleveland probably, well, definitely has the best uh, bullpen. So I would, I would give the pitching edge as you normally do to uh, Cleveland, but I'm giving the offense to Chicago. You know, their 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 pitching staff I think is just a tick behind Cleveland. So I'll, I'll lean towards Pedro Falls White Sox to win this division, but. Those top three teams are going to be a headache for the Royals each and every one of the 13 meetings that they have. Final question for you, Vernon. you got to go to the manager's office here in just a minute, or I think he's doing a dugout today. But mm-hmm. uh, as far as uh, the Royals are concerned, I mean, you look at, you know, I don't think you probably – I don't know if you have. Maybe you have. I, I didn't when I when I did some Royals post game. Never had one person complain about the length of games because they drove from – you know, from Wichita or down from Lincoln or yeah. up from Spring, they didn't complain about it because they, they, they complain paid... about the post game that you didn't weren't on long enough to get them home. Well, they, that's it, what you would get. There's more reasons to complain, but yeah. than just that. But yeah. the bottom line is, games are faster. I know that you've been such a stickler with the rules, and rules have just changed mm-hmm. right before your eyes. Um, I did like those ninth innings. <laughs> I'm a sucker for watching those late night, you know, Dodgers games or Padres game, but. Mm-hmm. It did get a little tedious with the walking around the mound and right. posturing and throwing the first and taking forever. But you down with this? You down oh, with yeah. all this? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm 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 a huge fan of the pitch clock. Really haven't run across anyone that is opposed to it, uh, because really all I think it does is make it a better television product. Like yesterday, I I, I if if you would have asked me after the game, hey, how quick was that? I I would not have guessed two hours and eighteen minutes. I would say I, it was just a good game, a a well paced game, two hours and thirty two in the opener. Um, it it just forces pitchers into a tempo, uh, which to me is the key for for execution in ninety percent of pitchers. If you're out there, you know wiping your brow and walking around the mound and picking up the rosin bag and, you know, you're probably not executing. So, you know, and I think we've all learned this from Denny Matthews over the year, man, get up on the hill, find yourself a tempo and throw strikes. It forces pitchers to do that. The only downside to the pitch clock is uh, when you're at the game and you got to get up and go to the bathroom or get up and grab a beer. Uh, you, you could miss an inning and a half if there is a line. Now, I don't know how many lines there's going to be over the course of this season at Kauffman Stadium, hopefully uh, dozens, uh, but I, I, I don't think those lines are going to be forming today. Uh, the, the bigger bases, yeah, I, I, I don't mind that. I'm, I'm pro-stolen base. Uh, not a huge advocate of abolishing the shift, um, but I, I, I understand the thinking uh, my only issue is I, I think the game would have come around. I think you would have seen more. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's it's tough to say you'd, I'd see more all fields hitters because you know the velocities just continue to go up. And unless you move the mound back, man, asking guys to to spray the ball the other way certainly is difficult. So yeah, I'm not uh, vehemently opposed to any of them. Uh, big proponent of the pitch clock and the other two, I understand the thinking, so I can go along with it. 
Good stuff. Josh Vergner, our Royals insider once again. Uh, it was going to be a crafting draft all year. Is that correct? Pre-game? Yes, sir. I'll be out there starting at noon. All right. You got your new game show? I do. We play the pitch clock uh, mm-hmm. each and every pregame um, over the phone. One question, 20 seconds, as many guesses as you want, but you got to get it right. Once a, you know, once in a while, you got to go old school, man. You got to bring strikes. back. Yeah, no, you have three to. strikes. It was once, ruined. Three strikes was ruined over the past few seasons. Just for, for uh, old, poor efforts. Uh, come on, uh, man. Poor performances. Old school, man. Maybe turnout. the blue pants. If they put the blue pants on, you got to do it. Just once in a while, man. Mm, we'll see. I love that. No promises. All right. Josh Vern, you're going to see the manager. You can go see right, Vern at the Kate Craft Ref. Thanks, Vern. Thank you. Appreciate that. Now, Vern said some interesting things there. And when it comes to leadership in this team and just some real optimism for the Royals next. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Welcome back, Jay Beasley. Grant Nicholson producing the operation. Dustman, back with you next week. But uh, back to the Chiefs here between 11 and 12. Then I'll hop on Vern 12-15 to uh, the bet of the day. Talk a little uh, sports gambling since we can do it here, at least on the Kansas side of the state line, which is where we're at now. But he talked about you know, the leadership of this team. I think that stuff's important, man. Because I go back when Ned Yost was here. Guys love going to work. They love it. Was a, there was an attitude in that clubhouse, man. They had fun. They liked being with you. They liked going to work. I can't say that the last couple of years. And I think a lot of the younger voices, you know, stayed quiet, but they're ready to burst out. Like the young voices ready to burst out. And we'll see what happens. I'm not worried about the fact they haven't scored a run in, in 18 innings. Sure, it's funny, blah, blah, blah. But if it happens in June or July and August, I don't think you care, Grant. I don't think anybody cares about that. Yeah, because we're probably, most of the people probably checked out by that point. But do you know how many people are like into this team? In love watching MJ and Vinny and uh, Bobby Wood Jr. And I mean, just the people that are bought in like this 100%, which leads you to the extension, right? Bobby's going to need to get his because they're all getting it. Aculio Rodriguez, Fernando Tatis got one before he even played a full year. I mean, that's going to come, but this team needs victories. They need guys for people to buy into. Know they're going to be here for a while for the downtown stadium, right? You want to move. It's so much easier when you're winning because when you're winning, no one cares. People don't really want to sign up when you're not scoring runs. But when you're not winning, people have questions. So I think it's imperative for the Royals to start going in the right direction. I believe in them. I actually had the over on the 68 and a half wins with the Royals this year. I can see a lot of the 2012 Royals where they're starting to, you know, maybe turn that corner. I don't think they're quite the level of 2013 yet, which the Royals, you know, carried everything to that final series against the White Sox. And then in 14 and 15, they just exploded. They were just the best team of baseball. You had to figure out a way to beat them. I mean, is the team really devoid of actual, like, superstars? I mean, at that point, Hosmer's a big star here. Moose is a big star here. Kane, big star here. Salvador Perez probably extended that as far as being a star in Major League Baseball. I'm glad they finally gave him the captain jersey, though. I'm glad he's finally one of the four guys to be a captain. Like Brett, like White, like Sweeney. I can't think of anybody more deserving than Perez. Outside of Vern. You think, you think Vern should have had a captain's jersey? He's got a captain's uh, six-ten polo. He got the little C on the, yeah, the polo? We gave him one. Oh, well, he deserves it. He's our captain of broadcasting, so Vern's got the C. <laughs> uh, Speck gave it to him before the year started. And we all kind of chipped in and got the polo for him and stuff. So he's got the C on his uh, – you can go see it at Crafted Draft. You want to see Vern's C on his uh, polo. It looks very, very good. 
But anyway, coming back, Chris Lucero, my uh, my dude from Character Concerns as we go Kansas City Chiefs. By the way, text line open for you, 913-586-7610, Jay Southland, Tow Service text line. Phone line as well as we talk Kansas City because guess what? The draft is this month. More draft next. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views.